This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. It is Saturday the 3rd of September, and I am here talking about how to juggle teaching with life with a very ill child. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. A very good morning to you. It is, as I said, Saturday the 3rd of September and we are here live with our first breakfast show um, certainly since I went back to school um, I went back on Thursday for my inset which was um, quite a shock to the system to be honest to start with I think it is for all of us when we go back uh, but I, I actually enjoyed it I very much enjoyed it this year we had um, the way that my uh, senior leadership team split up the two days was really really good because we kind of did all of the operational stuff on Thursday that was really really big and then we um, we did lots and lots of uh, department time and we had a very very interesting discussion on uh, inclusion equity and diversity to round off yesterday uh, which was really thought-provoking and the guy that ran it was really good he was really um uh, really engaging, really positive. And sometimes I think when we talk about equity and diversity and inclusion in school, it's one of those things, a bit like exam results, I suppose, where teachers can start to get a bit defensive, you know, because you want to go, oh, well, of course our school is is diverse. Of course we are inclusive, um, you know, because no school goes out with the intention of being exclusive or with the intention of being not diverse um but sometimes it is good to sit down and kind of audit your setting and go okay well this is what we are actively doing this is what our staff body looks like and um really thinking about whether you are living the values that you are purporting to live and i think that ties in quite nicely with my theme this week um this idea of equality because as we go back to school um, as we have either finished in set as so many of us have and are getting ready to welcome the children back on Monday or as we get ready to go into inset on Monday and then welcome the, the kids back on Tuesday. We do, many of us set ourselves kind of New Year's resolutions. I know that I certainly do. And for lots and lots of teachers, those New Year's resolutions um, include work-life balance because it's something that we we can never, never get right. Um, and I'm thinking just as a, um, I'm a, a, a single late 30s teacher, no kids, um, no family commitments. And I find it hard to juggle my work-life balance. And so if you were to then add children into that mix. I don't know how I would manage that, quite honestly. And, and I have a lot of respect for teachers who do manage um, work life and family life. And if your child then um, has some kind of chronic illness, something that, that requires lots of your attention, I really, really don't know um, how people juggle that. 
And so I have my friend Teresa is my guest today. Uh, Teresa is a wonderful um, key stage one, key stage two teacher who I've known for a very, very long time, um, whose youngest child was diagnosed very, very early on in her life with cystic fibrosis. And that's something that Teresa had to to deal with both as a parent and as a teacher, certainly for as long as I've known her. And so I've been very interested this week to talk to Teresa um, and kind of get her thoughts on how she managed to juggle um, life looking after her own child with being a teacher, um, how she managed to make it all work and how she did it so successfully. Um, I am at this point going to put a bit of a, a content warning on the show. We will be talking about Teresa's daughter, Kelsey, who had cystic fibrosis. Um, unfortunately, Kelsey has passed away. Uh, and so there will be slight discussion of that. So please, if um, if that's a topic that is sensitive to you, um, I do encourage you to listen very um carefully guarding your own feelings guarding your own mental health as you listen or to to switch off of the show i'm sure that uh, i'm sure that my bosses will not be happy with me suggesting that but of course i will always suggest that you guard your own mental health um, at all times you must must prioritize yourself that said um we are not a sad show today um i want this show to be a celebration of all teachers who are able to manage sometimes very challenging personal circumstances with what is a very challenging job being in school. And so we are celebrating ourselves and that's all of us. That's all of us because we do all have our own challenges. And work-life balance isn't just about making sure that you have fun outside of work. And quite often it is, quite often it really, really is. But it's also about making sure that you do take care of those parts of you those parts of your life that are difficult, that can impact on school, because they can, and making sure that you are able to manage that. So we are celebrating that, and we're also going to celebrate um, Kelsey's life. So this show today I am dedicating to the memory of Kelsey Bliss, um, who was a very spirited young woman, and who never, never let her illness define her or have any more control over her quality of life than she really needed it to. And what I'm going to do just now is just take some time to think about different things that we can do for self-care um, and some different things that we might want to think about as we, uh, as we go back to school. So self-care, I think, quite often has a negative um, uh, has quite negative connotations. You know, when we when we hear the term self-care, we think a lot about, um, you know, mandatory yoga is the, the thing that I always go to, is my instinct to go to, um, or thinking about, um, you know, sitting in a dark room and meditating, and that's not for everybody. Um, and I think self-care can have two very disparate um, disparate domains, if you like. I think self-care quite often uh, looks like doing nothing. And for me, that's absolutely not what self-care is about at all. Um, in fact, for me, self-care is quite often the opposite, and it is making sure that I am doing stuff, because I do 
I can if I'm not careful. Right, so I was just saying that my um, my to-do list can get very long, it can be overwhelming, it can be intimidating. And so what I have actually found is that self-care for me can quite often look like going into school on a Saturday when I'm not teaching and sitting in my classroom with no distractions and actually doing my work, giving myself that time. And for many people, you know, that's not what self-care looks like. For many people, self-care does look like taking a bath, um, ignoring the to-do list, making sure that you're not up at midnight doing your marking. So for each of us, it's it's very, very different, but it is equally important to make sure that we are doing these things, that we are taking care of ourselves. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Daily Mirror runs a story on school places with headlines claiming that in some areas where schools are oversubscribed, nearly 9 out of 10 parents do not get a place for their child at their first choice secondary school. The article names specific schools in Wolverhampton and Lambeth as the hardest secondary schools to get into, with the primary from Liverpool named as the most difficult to get into. As children return to school for the new academic year, applications for those set to start primary or secondary in September 2023 are set to open soon. The deadline for secondary places is October 31st and January the 15th next year for primary. According to figures published in the article, 83% of applicants got their first choice of secondary school for September 2022, a small increase on the 2021 figure of 81%. 
the proportion of primary school applicants who received their first choice remained at 92%. A full list of England's most oversubscribed schools is published on the Daily Mirror website. In Scotland, council workers due to go out on strike next week have suspended their action after unions received a new pay offer from local authority leaders. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The Unison, Unite and GMB unions agreed to suspend strikes in education and in waste services. The high profile waste worker strike has seen rubbish build up in city centres, but action was also set to affect schools and early years provision as members of Unison were set to walk out. Aberdeen Live also reports on possible strike action by Scottish teachers after what unions describe as an insulting pay offer. The 5% pay increase was rejected by the Educational Institute of Scotland's Executive Committee and they have opened a ballot for members concerning industrial action. Members of the union have until the 16th of September to vote on the action. Following the return to school for the new academic year, Eastern Eye reports on advice to schools around school attendance. The advice recommends close partnership work with councils, targeted family support and home visits to address barriers to attendance. These form part of a package of new approaches to ensure that more children are in school every day. The Department for Education is also launching a three-year one-to-one attendance monitoring pilot aimed at tackling the factors behind non-attendance such as bullying and mental health issues. The scheme will be launched in Middlesbrough this year before expanding to other areas next year. A new attendance data visualisation tool is also expected later in September. In some countries on the continent of Africa, a significant barrier to school attendance comes as a result of pregnancy in adolescent girls, according to Human Rights Watch. The organisation says that whilst many countries now have laws and policies in place to protect girls' education, there are still shortcomings, with at least 10 African Union member countries still having no laws related to protecting the retention of students who are pregnant or are adolescent mothers. More on this story can be found on the Human Rights Watch website. In Wales, mandatory sex education lessons will go ahead in the new school term, as the High Court rules in favour of the plan. A group of five parents lost their legal challenge to block the lessons in a hearing on the 31st of August. The group wanted to withdraw their children from the mandatory lessons or stop the rollout of relationships and sexual education altogether. The parents had already been granted a judicial review to be heard in November. RSE is part of the statutory new curriculum in Wales, although half of secondary schools are delaying the new curriculum until 2023. This is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I complete my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The topic today is why is my upload speed lower than my download speed? In previous episodes, we've discussed bandwidth and the more devices, the more demand, but internet service providers only tend to advertise their download speed. Why is this? Well, because it's higher. Let's take a trip back to the beginning of the internet for general public use. If you're old enough to remember dial-up and what we used to use the internet for pre-2006 when we were introduced to the Facebook boom, the internet was more like a library. You go, search for a book or a web page, use the book for your research, then return it. Traffic or knowledge is mostly one way, downloading to you. The only real use for uploading for the day-to-day user of the internet was to request a web page, a very small amount of data, and to send the odd email. Most things we did were all based on downloading. 
This is called an asymmetric connection. Downloading is given more bandwidth as it's the most used. This to date is still the fact. Most people download more than they upload. With data transmission being restricted by the size of transmission media being used, it makes sense for there to be more bandwidth dedicated to downloading than to uploading. Uploading has become increasingly more important for people since the development of apps like Facebook. Although developed in 2004, in 2006, due to increasingly better phone technology and the trend of documenting your life and posting it for others to see, the speed that you can upload has become more important. However, if a video or image takes a while to upload, we can do something else. If what you're watching stops, it's the end of the world. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. As we return to work, why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022, follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech for the new academic year. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Teresa, good morning and thank you for joining me. I'm so, so happy to, uh, to have you here. Um, just for some context for our listeners, we've known each other 16 years now. Can you believe that? No. I, I know. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I know. I was thinking about this the other day because um, Teresa was my class teacher during my final placement. Amazing, amazing class teacher. Um, so very supportive. Uh, and we had that massive class, 34 kids in that class, um, which I know, you know, for a lot of our listeners will be quite normal. But we were at the time just a small village junior school. It wasn't even the primary school then. It was just a junior school. And so we had 34 kids. In a small room. In a small room, it was. And then on the days that I was in to do my practice, it was you, me, and RTA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah, ever such a long time ago. Although, weirdly, and I, I'll, I'll catch you up when we finish. I've just remembered. I've bumped into one of those kids recently yeah and did they remember you they did probably because the mum was there and the mum remembered me and prompted them yes that happens sometimes yeah yeah but but that was lovely did you remember them i did i did because it was one that i still occasionally think about because the the thing with primary um and I, i don't know whether our primary listeners will agree is that the the kids leave and you know them from when they're little until they're big in a primary context until they're year six and then they go off and quite often you just don't have any idea what happens to them and they've got so much of their lives left um and so it was really nice to to bump into this young man who i had thought about over the years because i was worried about what might have happened to him exactly and find he started his own business oh fantastic yeah and he's doing really really well so so that was nice it's when you bump into them and uh, they say, you don't remember my name, do you? Yes. And you have to wrap your brain. <laughs> yes. And you're like, hmm. And then whoosh. They're, and they're like, oh, you do remember. Yeah. And yeah. They, they don't realise that that silent in battle that you've had in your brain no. to, to pull their name from the depths of no. darkness that's there. <laughs> no, no, I had that exact same thing um, maybe four or five years ago now. I was I was walking between sites at, at high school and a kid got off a bus for one of the other local secondary schools and called out, Mr. Lester, Mr. Lester. And he ran up to me and he was like, oh, I just wanted to let you know, I'm doing Spanish and French GCSE oh, now. And, nice. you know, it's because of all the, the stuff that we did in French at primary school. And it was really, really good. And then he ran off and, and I kind of called after him. Oh, you know, that's really good. Let me know how you get on. I still don't know who he was. <laughs> and I feel awful that I don't know who he was because clearly what I did had had that impact. 
But then I suppose it's kind of like I was saying in last week's show, it's not me that's important, it's the lessons that I'm teaching. Absolutely. And the, and the children, and, and they'll remember you and they'll remember the things that you have done. Yeah. Because that that's, if, if you've been good at what you've done and they've enjoyed what you've done and you've inspired them in some way, they will, they will always remember Absolutely. you. Absolutely. They will always remember you. Absolutely. So before we get into kind of the, the meat of our chat today, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your, your teaching journey? Because you've had quite an interesting one over your <laughs> career. Yeah, so I didn't come, to, I came to teaching quite late. Um, I was probably, I was about 30 when I'd finished my studies. And um, I did my placements in several local schools. I had lots of different experiences at a small village school, um, worked in a local school that was at that time in special measures. Um, it was a, a school that was on a split site. So it was on the same site. So the infants and the juniors were separate, but they were within okay. throwing distance of each other. So that was really interesting because it was almost like never the train shall meet. Yes. The food completely. Yeah. But they were, they, they were so close together. It, in, in my head then, back when I was training, it would have made sense for them to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, through One, school. Absolutely. Um, but they're still separate. They're still separate. Okay. So that's a long time ago. Um, and then I eventually, I came to teach at the school that I'm teaching at now. I've been there for a very long time. And I remember when I had my interview, it was the very last day of the, the school year, mm. ready to start in the September. Okay. So I had qualified and then I'd worked for a, a, an interim period at another local school for maternity cover um, in reception. Wow. Well, not <laughs> wow. Bad, Darren, well out of my comfort zone, <laughs> well out of my comfort zone, completely. Yeah. Again, for some context, so, when I worked with Teresa, you were a year five teacher. So that was, <laughs> yeah, quite a difference there. Massively. And, you know, even now I can look back and I can remember why I didn't particularly want to be in reception or, or or the reasons why I didn't enjoy it quite as much yeah. as I could have. It, it's it's funny isn't it with how was primary school teachers were trained in EYFS, Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 and that's such a big range it's with such, such a, a difference. Mm, I think it was the little girl that was stroking my legs because she said they felt nice. <laughs> no, <off. laughs> fair enough, I, I completely understand that. <laughs> Have you had your legs stroked? No, probably not. No, no. That's the joy of trousers, to be honest. I will never play that male uniform. So that, that was that was enough for me. But you know, we are, we all have many stories to tell from our from our from our teaching. And then I I went and taught and it was a junior school. Um and then about ten years ago we amalgamated with the infant school and we came through primary school. And then um for a little while I taught in a we used to call it a sardine tin. It was um, a terrapin on the on the local playing field, but it was metal. Yeah, and you can imagine what that was like in the summer. Uh, and then we had um, a purpose built building for us, which we moved into, um, which was amazing, and we're still there now. I've been um, my subject that I lead is maths. I've done other subjects. I've done computing. Um, and geography and history, but I've been the math subject lead at school for a long time. Um, uh, six or seven years ago, I was seconded and was a deputy head teacher at a very small yeah. village school um, to cover uh, an absence. And then I, I came back to my school and having taught in the juniors for so long, I requested 
quite crazily, I think, now, <laughs> um, to go into Key Stage 1, where I taught for several years as a year one teacher, and then I've recently gone back and I'm currently teaching year four. Nice. Nice. So you've had pretty much the whole uh, whole of the age range. Yeah, yeah. I think the only year group that I haven't taught is year two. I've taught mixed age classes yeah. as well. So yeah, but I think the only one that I haven't taught is year two, and probably really EYFS. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I think it does take a special type of person to teach EYFS. Um, that person is certainly not me. <laughs> I didn't, don't get me wrong, I did used to enjoy it when I had my, I, I used to have 15 minutes of French with EYFS in our school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite enjoyed going down and doing uh, Jolly Phonics with them in French. And then I would read them a story and that was lovely. But 15 minutes was was enough. I think, I think for me in an EYFS classroom, it just feels like it's complete chaos because there's so much mm. going on. The children are so busy and they're so busy with their learning, but it's, it's completely chaotic for me. Um, I like to have a little bit more order yeah. and structure to my yeah. to my day. Yeah. But there are some amazing EYFS oh, teachers out there that absolutely. do a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting you say that because I, I actually vividly remember the day that I walked into your classroom as a student. Um, I, I, I do. And, you know, I, I'd been told because I'd spoken with with the, the, the mentor before and I've been told, you know, it was a big class. It was 34 children, 18 boys. And I was like, OK, that's that's fine. We can do that. Um, and, and I, I, I remember I'd gone and I met the mentor, then I went and I met the deputy head, um, and then the mentor brought me over to your classroom and I was like, okay, great. And we met and we chatted a little bit and, and then the 34 kids lined up <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, right. Cause that's the first time I think it had occurred to me how many small people 34 was, but they lined up in pretty much absolute silence. And, and they came in and they sat down and they got on with what they had to get on with. And, and that, that beginning of the day routine was embedded straight away. And I could tell immediately that you had them where you needed them, that they were, they were ordered and they understood what you wanted from them. And, and I thought, okay, this is somebody that I can learn a lot from. Because as, as a trainee teacher, I think like many trainee teachers, behavior management was one of my targets something that I absolutely had to work on. And I thought, yeah, this is the perfect person and ended up being the perfect class <laughs> to try and learn that from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the perfectly challenging class. Um, I think routine is really, really important. I think many of our colleagues will have seen how um, the needs of children have increased in recent mm-hmm. years, markedly so. And <clears throat> even in the in the class that I've that are just will just be moving on into year five. The the routine and the structure was really important for them. So they knew exactly what was coming next, yeah. what the expectations were, and then they could manage that in, in a much better way. Yeah. Um, I don't know about in your setting, Darren, but we have seen increased anxiety post-COVID. Yes, absolutely. So and not only in the in the children amongst the staff yeah. as well. There's, yeah. there's there's you know, there's been a lot of worry and a lot of concern. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is good to have have those routines, like you said, so that you know what's coming next. The day becomes very predictable. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say that they like going into teaching because no two days are the same, which is true. But it is important that actually they are the same so that the children do know what's happening. Yeah, it's um, the structure that's the same, isn't it? Yeah. The content's different. The yes. content's different every yeah, day. Um, but in the, in, in the previous class that I've just had, 
nearly half of my class have specific educational needs. Oh, wow. So it was really, really important yeah. for those children. Um, a few of them were uh, on diagnosed on pathways okay. um, with autism and things, okay. and they really clearly needed yeah. that, that structure to, to know. Yeah. So they could be settled in their learning. Yes, absolutely. I truly believe, and I've always believed, if you have children that are happy, they will learn well. Yeah. They will learn well. And I think well-being and being happy is key it really to is. the children's learning. It really is. It really is. Um, I think, for me, that's that's all that's important. Um, I shouldn't say this, you know, as somebody who is now mainly secondary-based, um, because I should say that exam results are important. But ultimately, as long as... a child comes into my classroom and knows that no matter what is going on at home or in the boarding house in my context or you know what relationship difficulties they might be having if they can come into my classroom and know that for 45 minutes we're going to play some games in french and japanese and german whatever it might be and have some fun and that they are safe to express themselves that's all that matters i think it's definitely i think for many children classrooms and schools have become their safe spaces yeah yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as a teacher uh, in, in my life, class, school and, and my classroom became my safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the crux of, of what I want to talk about today, um, because the, the routine and safety is just as important for teachers as it is for, for our children. Um, and again, you were a person who, while I was training, really taught me that and, and how how the culture of the staff room can be quite separate to the culture of the classroom and both are very, very important. Um, so when we met, um, it became clear, I don't know whether you realise, you never actually told me that you had a child who was unwell. I, no, no, again, I, I, and it didn't kind of occur to me until I was kind of thinking about this conversation that we were going to have. Um, the first the first inkling that I had was about two or three weeks into the placement. It was still when I was doing my observation. And you had mentioned that you couldn't stay very late after school this one day because you had to go to the hospital. And I said, oh, you know, are you okay? And you're like, oh, no, no, it, it's fine. I need to go and visit Kelsey. And, and that was when that was when we had that conversation. Um, but it, it's to your credit, I think, that we went probably two or three weeks before we had that conversation, you know, because you didn't owe me that information. You don't owe anybody that information. Um, and there are so many people, I think, who couldn't juggle the the illness that, that Kelsey was dealing with, that you were helping her through and being a teacher, which is so intense. Um, so for our listeners, Kelsey was, she's your middle, she's the youngest. youngest, I'm sorry, <clears throat> your youngest, and um, she had cystic fibrosis. Now, cystic fibrosis is honestly, you know, even having known you for such a long time, it's not a, an illness I know very much about. It's not one of the ones that's in the, in the zeitgeist, really. So could you just, for me, but also for any of our listeners, could you just explain what it is? So when, when Kelsey was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, um, I was in the same position as Darren. I knew very little about it. Um, I subsequently discovered that cystic fibrosis is the most commonly inherited disorder in this country. Really? Um, both parents have to carry um, a faulty gene. Okay. But there are 
many, many CF genes. Okay. So Kelsey had um, double DDF508, which is the most common cystic fibrosis gene, both from her father and from me. Okay. She was diagnosed at six weeks because of failure to thrive. Wow. And basically the secretions in the body are really thick. So the um, pancreas and the, the enzymes and stuff can't get from the into the stomach. Okay. The lungs, if they get chest infections, things, the mucus on the lungs can become very thick and, and really difficult for them. So they get chest infection and it's, and it's really significant. Yeah. So they need lots of antibiotics, lots of different medications to treat. That's a very simplistic view. No, yeah, thank you. Um, so, but, you know, as Cassie progressed, she was on probably up to 65 tablets a day. Wow. Um, and probably uh, getting on to about 10 different medications to help sustain her. Okay. Um, there is, at the moment, there's no cure. Um, the, the options that are available, that become available, uh, is, is lung transplant, yeah. um, which Kelsey had a lung transplant at 20, when she was 23. Unfortunately, it wasn't successful, so she passed away when she was 23, um, which is eight years ago, eight years ago now. So in terms of how we managed it, it's it's difficult to comprehend but you do yeah. um school was my safe space because school is all encompassing yes you can't yes. concentrate on anything else you have to be focused on your class your yeah. children your lesson yeah. the work you're doing that's the nature of, of the beast that is teaching it is it is really is yeah. for everybody yeah for everybody absolutely um I was incredibly lucky because um, my husband had been made redundant. Oh, I at remember. The end, at the end, when you know, when Cassie became quite poorly, and so he was able to become her full-time carer. Okay. Um, and I knew that she was safe. Yeah. Prior to her becoming unwell, she would go into hospital several times a year yeah. and at one point she was going in every couple of months for two weeks at a time and as a child she was just at Gloucester Royal okay so not far away from us and that was easy yeah access there was easy so we would I would come to school I would do my school work I would go to the hospital um visit Kelsey go home have something treat go to bed get up go to school to do it yeah. and routine yeah. was the same yeah um <clears throat> as she became an adult her care went to a cystic fibrosis centre, which happened to be Bristol. Okay. And that made it more challenging. Yes. In times of travel and things like that. Absolutely, because that's a good forty-five minutes an yeah. hour away Usually, from where and we are. And dependent on traffic. Yeah. Dependent on traffic, yeah. because the traffic getting in off, off the M4 and M32 Absolutely. can be quite a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Um. So, my husband would go during the day. I would finish school. I would go in the evening, we would swap, we would pass each other like ships in the night on the okay, motorway. Okay. And I would see Kelsey in the evening. People often asked, do you have to go? Ooh. Do you have to go? Do you have to go today? Okay. Do you have to go every day? And you know, some people don't, no. and that's absolutely fine. Abs yeah, that's of absolutely course it fine. is. But for me personally, you know, we had to go every day. Uh, uh, yeah, of course we you We had didn't. to go and see her every day. Yeah. And, and we, we did go every day. Um, I remember one time I was I was poorly and I'd had a, um, a kidney infection and they rushed. I was in Chapman Hospital 
and I couldn't see her for two weeks. Ooh. That was really hard. Yeah. Emotionally, that was really hard. No, absolutely. Absolutely. There were times at school <clears throat> when it was it was hard. It was hard work. Thankfully, I had colleagues around me that were really good friends. Yeah. That were able to support me. Yeah. There was a time when a member of the senior leadership team had asked me not to discuss Kelsey because she felt that it was impacting other members of staff. That hurt. That hurt. Um, and I talked to people around me about about that statement. And you know, the people that I was talking to in my in my workplace were my friends. They yeah. weren't just my colleagues. And so I continued to talk to those people as my friends, the same as I did my friends outside of school. Absolutely. Outside of school. Yeah. And um, I was commended by the senior leader for not bringing it into school. I just hadn't brought it to her attention. Yeah. Um, and I think that was vital. That was yes. vital to my ability to manage yeah. at school in my safe space so that I could speak to people because there were days when it was really tough. Yes. You know, when Kaus was really sick and I felt if I'd been in any other walk of life and any other job, I'd have been in the hospital with her. Of course. And not at school. Yeah. So school was my sanity. School was definitely my sanity and, and kept me going. The children that I taught, yeah. the relationships that I had, um, were vitally important. Were yeah. vitally important to 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 move forward and to maintain and do all of the things that I should be doing. Yeah. Um. I believe that, and I've always believed that you're never given more than you can manage. You just don't like always realise it at yeah. the time. You don't always realise it at the time. Now I look back and I, and I see all the things that we did and the, the difficulties that we went through. Um, you know, even it's, it's ridiculous, but even to the, the timing of her transplant, uh, the court, she was on the transplant list for three years, mm. um, but she was called for transplant um, on the 7th of July, which is right near the end of the school year. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if it had been successful, the recovery time would have been over the summer holidays. Yes. All of, all of that kind <laughs> of stuff. Yeah, it, it all fits into a big plan. Yes. It all fits into a big plan. So, and, and then, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't successful and she, she passed away 10 days later. But again, still at the end of the school year. So I had the, the summer holidays to reflect and, yeah. and then be ready to come back to school in the September. It was, it was, I was able to have a, a uh, uh, it was still relatively short in terms of a grieving period. Absolutely. But time for me not to be at school. Yeah. And then when we came around to the September again, you know what it's like when it's September. Well, and <laughs> August, September, full on. Absolutely. Whoosh, back yeah. in. Yeah. Bombarded. And again, you know, that was, I had time at home with my family. We'd all taken time off together. My other daughter's a teacher also, so we'd all been together yeah. for some holidays and stuff. And then we all went back, wham, bam, back into work in the September, all of us. And it helped to um, refocus our yes. minds being back at school. Yeah. School has been really important in, in helping to keep me safe and to keep my well-being 
up together yeah because i've had something else to concentrate on and focus on absolutely i love that i i love that school was able to do that for you and i i loved it in spite of what senior leaders might have said i love that you still felt safe to talk to your friends i'll call them your colleagues because again i was i was in that staff room i know that they are your friends um and i i think there are a couple of reasons why that's very very important um, the first is a very practical teaching reason, which is that if for whatever reason you had been unable emotionally to take your class, somebody would have had to step in to do that to keep those children safe. And the person stepping in needed to know why. You know, if we'd asked the, our HLTA, who was amazing, would always step in for things at the last minute, to take a class without explaining why, that's unfair to her. She was very good. <clears throat> and um, again, she was one of my close friends. Um, and so she was very aware of the situation, yeah. very aware of the situation. And, and, and I could, if there were times when I was caught unawares, because yeah. there were times when I was caught unawares, and if I had a phone call from the hospital, if I had a phone call from, from Kelsey herself yeah. or from my husband, I would, sometimes I would be sideswiped yeah. by those things. No, absolutely. And, and the HRTA was very efficient and very, and I know that I could leave her in charge of the classroom and know that she would, Keep it, do a good job and keep them safe. Yeah, you know because we have that relationship, yeah. and it, and I think it was really important, and it was really important for me to have um, other members of the senior leadership team that could say to me, Teresa, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, take time, Teresa, it's absolutely fine. If you need to go to the hospital, go. We can manage. We yeah. can do this. You know, and that was really important. So I, you know, there's just just one person. <laughs> amongst 30 yes, yes. was was it, but those are the things that you remember they those are. are the things that cause those little scars that Absolutely. you never forget yeah that you never forget um but equally i was surrounded by amazing people i was surrounded yeah. by amazing and also um you know the children that i taught weren't necessarily aware so every year when we did jeans for jeans the yes. charity day yes um i got up and i led the assembly the worship time and i explained to the children i talked to the children about cystic fibrosis so they knew um about cystic fibrosis they knew that it was a genetically inherited condition it gave them a bit of personal link as to why they were raising money um and they were they were really supportive if i wasn't at school and they would ask how she was i had um a young man that, that left the school, who oh, he's got to be 20 now, 20 or 21. So he left the school 11 years ago and I saw him in the street and um, he asked me how Kelsey was. Oh. Um, and then he was devastated because I, I, you know, I just said to him, oh, I'm really sorry, but she's passed away. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. I said, no, it's, it's fine. It's For me, it was lovely that he'd remembered Absolutely. from all that time yeah. ago that he'd remembered it wasn't and I remember I had one of the parents um I taught three of her children and <laughs> one of the parents um and the youngest child has just done her GCSEs um the the, the mom is an amazing amazing cake maker <laughs> that's what we like in a parent for any parents listening please learn to bake <laughs> <laughs> And no, don't just learn to bake. Learn to bake and then send something. That's even better. <laughs> and she made me six cupcakes for, uh, for Kelsey. And she'd, she'd done glittery handbags and shoes wow. on the top, especially for Kelsey. And I took them to her in the hospital. So that was amazing. So so even the parents were really supportive. Although we 
we were closed about yes. it. They, they were aware of it. And it was important that they were aware yeah. of it. They didn't need to know the ins and outs, no. but it was important they were aware of it because if for any reason I was suddenly not there or if for any reason, you know, I got called over the day or something and their children were in my class, it was really important that they were aware of the context yes. of what that might be about. Yeah. Um, you know, and when, and because Kels had passed away at the end of a school year, um, the reports that year didn't get done. Yeah. So, but the parents are really understanding, and the reports were given out in the September. Oh, so they still they still had the report yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. But because they because they knew of the situation, yes. um, that wasn't a problem. No. Well, no. And we are very aware that reports are required by the government to be given out <laughs> at the end of every year. Absolutely, of course, of course, we do not condone or suggest. <laughs> I think it's it's important though. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the teaching standards talk about how we keep that professional personal distance and, and, and that is very important. But I do think that a lot of issues between school and parents can quite often, particularly in small contexts like like yours is, I think those can be mitigated just by letting parents know what's going on because the vast majority of parents are very understanding, very reasonable. They're parents. So particularly yeah. when it's with a child, they Absolutely. get it. And it's communication. It's the same, it's the same in any yeah. in any walk. Like it's communication. Not just communication within the school, but communication between the parents and the children. And you know, there could have been times where how I was impacted their children and then impacted back to them. So um, um, as far as I'm aware, there wasn't any no. um and we tried really hard to we've tried really hard to keep that that kind of the professionalism within the classroom yes. the classroom teacher in and that relationship that was really important to me um so yeah, there have been times when i've been crying at eight o'clock in the morning but by quarter to nine um, i've just banged my elbow on the door uh, and that's that's why i'm I yeah. look as if i've been crying yeah um and the, the kids are very accepting of that. The children are very accepting yeah. of that. They just go, oh, okay, you've just banged your, you've banged your funny bones. You yeah. know, that hurts. That's it, because you're a teacher. That Why would you yeah, lie? Yeah. That's it. And they're very accepting of that. Um, and you just, and the, but the minute, the minute the children are in your classroom, yes. that professionalism kicks in yeah. and you are the teacher. Yeah. Until quarter past three, when yeah. they walk out of the door, and you can just collapse into a little heap in the corner, you know, on your soft, comfy bean bags with your blanket if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you, you get up and you go to your staff meeting, you do all the things you need to do, and then you get in your car. I'll, I'll tell you a story. One day, uh, Darren, I was driving down the motorway, down, down the motorway, and uh, down M5, M4, M32, got to the hospital, and my phone rang. And um, there's a voice at the end of the phone, and it said, where are you? And I said, oh, oh, I'm visiting Kelsey. And my husband said, did you forget that you were picking me up to bring me down as well? No. <laughs> and I'd actually left him. In, 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 I'd left him. Uh, we live uh, not far away from the school, but it's the other direction yeah. on the motorway. Yeah. So, of course, I, I just got in my car and I'd just gone straight to the motorway, straight to the hospital. And yes, I had forgotten I'd <laughs> left him at home. Um, so he was already dressed at home, ready to go. And oh. I left him behind. And I'm, I'm, you know, he never lets me live that down that I that I left him behind and forgot him. But it, it didn't matter because Cassie still got her visitors. Exactly. I just forgot to take him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we, she, she would always make us go, um, so hospital food is, um, doesn't always suit everybody's palate. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, definitely didn't yeah. suit Kelsey. No. <laughs> um, so we would always have to go and get her food. We'd never go and get her food when we got down there. And um, it, 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 it was uh, at the Bristol Heart Institute. If you go back around the lane, she'd send us around to this kebab shop and she'd have kebabs. <laughs> and we'd have to go, we'd have to go into Bristol Town Centre to get Kentucky Fried Chicken yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So she was fed well while she was there. I mean, she had a brilliant time. Good. So we would know that when we got there, she sometimes she would send us her list, her requirements <laughs> on the way, so we could stop and get those before we even got into Fantastic. the hospital. So yeah, there were lots of there were lots of um, light entertainment yes. moments uh, in in amongst the, yeah. the especially at the end. There were there were lots of dark days, but school kept me on the straight and narrow. And I think it would have been much more difficult emotionally for me yeah. um, if I hadn't had my teaching job. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there are so few jobs that are as all-encompassing as teaching and, and that give you that, I don't want to say escape, but it kind of is that mental break, I suppose, Absolutely. for those six hours every day. Yeah. Because you, you don't have a choice. No. If, you, if you're going to do your job um, to the best of your ability, yeah. to the best of your ability, um, and efficiently and well and support those children the minute they arrive they are your focus yeah they are your focus at the whole day yeah you know and you have to be there mentally physically and emotionally to meet their needs yeah. you know yeah. because we have children that come to us with very specific needs every each and every day yeah uh, and you know Part of your role is to safeguard and, and make sure that their well-being is okay Absolutely. as well as the academia yes. and all of those kinds That's, of things yeah. as well all, yeah. of it, all of the bits all that go it, with it yeah. you know, making sure they've got food and their tummies yes. and they're doing all the all meeting all of their needs yeah. it's not just as simple as, as writing on a on no. a whiteboard or a blackboard or no. whatever anymore you just it's 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 the whole child isn't yeah it? it really is always is it really always is, is. So, and it's yeah yeah it is a credit to you how you managed to to keep that together again for, for context I'm, I'm not a parent i have no intention of being a parent that's not my calling um but i i don't know how i don't know if i would have managed quite frankly if i had been in your position i don't know if i would have been able to keep it together you know you, you say that you have to and, and i kind of understand that when you're in the moment but I, I don't know. I did. I, I looked at you every day with such respect and admiration just for the fact that you, you did keep it together. I thought it was amazing because I, I honestly don't think I could have done. Thank you. It was, it, it's a bit of a facade. Yes. It's a bit of a yes. facade because it's not easy. It's not easy. It is incredibly hard. Um, and you, you, I don't think that anybody goes into teaching lightly no you know it is a vocation yeah. it is absolutely something that you are you are blessed to do yeah um and blessed with the skills to be able to share that with other children you know to to teach is something that i personally i think is really special yeah to have that as a skill is a really special yeah um and you don't go into it lightly it's really important that you utilize the skills you've got 
days were hard. There were days when I would wake up in the morning and be super exhausted. Yeah, I'm sure. Really exhausted. Like I can't even imagine. And there were weeks where you just went from weekend to weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, in the hope that you would be able to rest at the weekend. Yes. Um, and sometimes you could, and sometimes you couldn't. My health was affected. Yeah. Um, I suffered from migraines yeah. as a consequence of just being overtired. Yes. And, and so I would, ha I would invariably, after Kelsey had been in the hospital for an extended period of time, with the day that she came home, because my adrenaline reduced yeah. stuff, and yeah. I would have a migraine. You know, a, a, like a, when the doctors described it as being a post-stressful situation, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. I would have a migraine for a couple of days. Um, and so, but, but because I knew that was happening, I could prepare for that. Yeah. You know, it's when things happen that you could that you can't prepare yes. for. It's, it, it, the knowledge that she would go into hospital regularly um, for um, intravenous antibiotics to maintain her health, that was fine because we could plan for those times. Yeah. It's when there were emergency admissions that, that we couldn't plan for. Yeah. And there were some of those. I had a brilliant ride down the M32 and the motorway in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> Lights were flashing. It was amazing. Ooh. It was, I mean, it was an amazing experience. <laughs> no, you know, yeah. it, it was just like, oh, this is... This, this is, is, yeah, like, don't do this every the day. the countryside going past in <laughs> blue. That's really interesting. Um, one thing that was an interesting fact, they were not allowed to go over the speed limit. No way. They were not, even though it was an emergency, they were not allowed to go over the speed limit. That's that's so ridiculous, They didn't quite go over the speed limit. Um, and as it turns out, it wasn't that much of an emergency. I mean, clearly it was, because yeah. we were there, but yeah. they, she, had this, she had this mark on the leg, um, you know, and they suspected that it might be meningitis. Oh, no. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. Not at all. I remember taking a straight hospital once because the top of her arm and all by her shoulder had gone like this really, really pink colour and it's really funny rash and stuff on her arm and what they went and they're like, oh, they didn't know what it was, they didn't clearly didn't know what it was. And then when we got home and I took her in the bedroom, she had one of these squishy pillow things yeah. that was bright pink. Oh no. It was just a little bit of dye. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit of dialogue. So to bring up the hospital and say, it's okay, it's all right, it's fine. There's, there's, you don't have to worry about that rashy thing. It was nothing there. It was not a rash at all. It was the look. And we did a good old laugh yeah. about it. Well, we laughed about lots and lots yes. of things. Yeah. Um, but I, I get that though, because Kelsey would have been like five, six years younger than me. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, I remember being at school and meningitis was a thing. You know, we had there were adverts on. My mum was perpetually rolling glasses yeah. up and down our arms. <laughs> So, you know, and, and I was a, a healthy child. So when yeah. you've you then got a child who, who isn't healthy and you've got those messages coming at you as well, yeah. you know, I don't blame they you for wanting that. to. They did that. They rolled the glass yeah. they were, and it didn't disappear. I don't think they know now what it was and I definitely don't know what it was, yeah. but they did some tests and stuff and it was not meningitis. That was fine. It was, yeah. it was absolutely fine. <laughs> she had enough to contend with. <laughs> so she didn't need that as extra. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. I look back on the time that... I mean, she was here. I've got, I've got three other children, and yeah. they all bought their own challenges. Yes, they bought their own challenges. I had a um, a child that was um, excluded from school when he was fourteen. Okay, how mortifying is that? You're As going a... into a, into an office, yeah. 
and you know you are a teacher <laughs> and your child has been excluded that was mortifying um then i had um a, mid, a middle child uh, uh, my oldest daughter um she struggled with her mental health yeah um and then my my youngest son had very specific learning yes. difficulties and then Cass had her medical needs so i felt that when i went into teaching um i had for my life experience i had such a breadth mm. of knowledge from my own children that i could bring that into my teaching career as well so i was thankful some days <laughs> for that breadth of knowledge and some days i was like oh why did why did this happen to me? Well, clearly i know what happened but absolutely, anyway, absolutely. It was so... yeah but I, I think i think that is important and i think it did show in your practice um because again one of the very first things the mentor teacher said to me um after i phoned up the school and asked for you under because you had recently got married and i'd been given your previous name so i asked for mrs so-and-so and um the, the mentor teacher said oh i think you mean mrs doherty and i said no no this is the person <laughs> i got he said no she got married i was like oh well that's a great start isn't it um but one of the one of the first things that the teacher said to me was you will be very glad to have had Teresa because she will show you how to build relationships with those children um, and and you did again 34 kids in that class and I would keep harping on about that but I think I've still got some kind of post-traumatic stress Trauma. disorder <laughs> Trauma from the experience. absolutely but you knew each of them individually you knew what their needs were you knew on any given day and you wanted to know so if a child came in and they were blatantly unhappy I took the reg I, re I, I don't remember which one it was, but I remember you asked me quite early on to take the register one day. Well, you took a little girl like to talk to her because she'd come in clearly in a bad way and you wanted to get to the bottom of it. I think it's really important. And I think it's really important that the children that come into our classrooms know that they have someone that they can speak to, whether that's the teacher, whether that's a TA, yeah. whether that's a family support worker yes. in school, if you've got one that works full time. Um, but I think the needs need to be met at that moment. Yeah. It's no good um, saying, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute, I'll talk exactly. to you in 10, I'll talk yeah. to you in 15. Yeah. So I think it's incredibly important. So in my classroom, my TAs are very adept at taking the register, <laughs> very adept at taking the register, because often we get people to the door who need, yeah. who need to speak, yes. what they've got to speak. Yeah. And it's about taking that moment, because sometimes if you lose that moment, yeah. they're not going to share again no. whatever they wanted to tell you yeah. and sometimes it's it's things that are hmm, not necessarily of importance to us no but for the children they're really important yes yes and it, it's, it's sometimes it's not even something that needs action no or, or even a really big conversation they just need to know that they're listened to and that they're heard yeah and that that and then in turn instills value yeah they are valued they are important yeah. each and every one of them is important yeah i had um a little girl that came to me and said and just said to me oh mrs Doty, can i talk to you absolutely um i just wanted you to know um that i got some new shoes yesterday <laughs> i said like, oh that's really lovely they're brilliant are they your school shoes no, they're they're at home and, and describing all that. And that's that in in the grand scheme of things, that's not important, but it was important to her. Yeah. It was important to her to share. Yeah. And I think sometimes in our in our job, because we are busy, yeah. you know, teaching is not something that stands still. No. You don't you don't always have time. But I think if you can, it's really important to just 
take that moment yeah. to take that moment so that the children know that they can talk to you whenever they need to yeah. because there may be a time when someone a child needs to talk to you and it's something they really need they really need some help yes with. they really need some help to yeah. manage yeah and they I've, i found that our kids remembered that so in my final year at, at our school um, i started off the year teaching in year six um, it was the class that you had had the year before as year five. They came through to me as year six. The very first day, before I'd even said hello to any of them, one of the little girls came up to me clutching a, a piece of paper and said, Mr. Lester, can I go and talk to Mrs. Doherty, please? And I was like, well, I mean, you can, that's fine. But, you know, I'm your teacher. You can talk to me. She was like, I know, but please can I go and talk to Mrs. Doherty? So she, she did. She came and, and went to you about five minutes, came back to me then and, and without her bit of paper and um, got on with the day. You even told me the problem afterwards. And it was that, you know, she was 11. She had begun her lady problems and she wanted to talk to a woman about it. And I was just like, yes, that's important. That's important. And I love... I. I loved that she felt that you were there. You know, I had a female TA that she could have spoken to. Um, you know, there were other female members of staff, but I really liked that she had wanted to come to you um, and that she felt safe coming to you and telling you, um, even if she was embarrassed to tell me herself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was absolutely fine. That was absolutely fine. I think it's really important that every single child in your setting or in whatever setting you're in has somebody that they know they can speak to yeah. and for some children it will be the person that they met in reception the yeah. teacher or the TA in reception for some children it will be an adult that hasn't actually been their teacher but they've done an after-school club yes. or an activity where they've yeah. built that relationship you know so for many um of boys in my class I've I have had I've got a male TA, they will have spoken to him or they will have spoken to the male teachers that are in my school yeah. doing their, their after-school curriculum activities if they felt that it was something that they couldn't talk to me about. But generally, they, they're just quite happy to tell me anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, all in sundry, yes. even about their home lives. <laughs> oh, parents love that. <laughs> another story for another day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it is, it's about making sure that the kids feel that they can be heard. Because yeah. I've had that in, in my current setting. We have a lot of international students and I have kids that I've never met before. I don't know who they are. I don't know their name, but they seek me out because they can speak to me in their home language. And for them, that's a bit of a relief, yeah. you know, to be able to, to get that. So it's, Absolutely. you know, making sure, yeah, make sure that they, they find someone that they feel will hear them. Absolutely. That's a bit of commonality, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really important. And, and, you know, we should always, everybody should always value everything a child says yeah. and give it importance. Yes. Because if a child has shared it with you, it's important. To yes. Them. It's important. Yes. Them. Absolutely. And, and that's really important. I think that um, generally in my setting, we do a relatively good job. But equally, as teachers, because we are so busy. Yeah. You know, there are times when we forget. Yes. Because because busyness, yeah. work takes over. Yeah. Yeah. I will openly admit there have been times when I haven't taught to my curriculum because a child has brought something up in class and we've discussed it that you know, kind of ad hoc. Absolutely. I think that's equally as important. Yes. And invariably, if you've got one child in your class that's worrying about something, there will be more than one. Yeah. There will be more than one. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. And I think sometimes you even need to do those things for your own peace of mind. 
because um, I'm still mortified. I, I remember vividly, and the, the child won't remember at all, but I remember vividly the time when a year five child came up to me wanting to know a word in French, and I was doing something else. So I was like, oh, can you please go and check in the dictionary? And, and she said to me, I have, and it's not there. And I was like, no, you're not looking hard enough. Please go and check in the dictionary. Um, and she cried because I sent her away to check the dictionary. And, and it turned out she didn't want to ask me this word. She wanted to talk about something else. And, you know, that was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And, and that is still probably the, the one big regret that I have in my career so far is that I didn't give that child the time that she needed. And it would have only been a minute because I was doing something else. Were you doing something else with another child? I was. There you go then. I was. I know. There you go I know. Then. And I think I think that we all do that. I think that's part of us, us as teachers. We do that. We look back and there are things we think, oh, I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I'd done that. Oh, did, why didn't I do that? And actually, you know, what we can't do is we can't change is what has happened. Nope. But what we can change is how we deal with that in the future. So as long as you've learned from that experience, and that's another thing I say to my children all the time at school, you know, we are always learning. Yeah. Even as adults, Absolutely. we are learning. Because I think sometimes the children at school, they think, oh, I've, I've just been taught, I'm just learning. It's, <laughs> you know, When's it going to finish? When's, it, when's school yeah. going to end? Yeah. How long will I be? And then when they have that understanding, when they have that knowledge of actually learning goes on for a really long time. Yeah and you keep learning even when you're an adult. And so if, if because something comes up in my classroom and it's something that's new to me and it's something that I've learned, yep. I make a point of telling them yes. that I've just learned that yes. because I want them to know and to understand that you never stop learning. Yep. You can always learn something else. It's funny, I was I was at my setting this morning and I spoke to one of my other colleagues and I just said to her, you know, even as, as primary school teachers, because we have to have that, that breadth of knowledge yeah. about the different subjects. And when you get moved around different year groups and you end up teaching different yes. aspects of history or different yes. things, you can't possibly know, no. you know everything you need to know in order to teach. So when you go to a new year group, you find out what you've got to teach and you learn about yeah. it. And I said to her, even even I've been in, in year four for the last three years, but every time I do a topic, I always learn something new about that topic yeah. in the research work and the planning and stuff that I did yeah. before. I think, oh, I can include that. Or I can think, oh, I didn't know that. I don't need to include it. Yes. But it's there. And it, I think it's important for the children to realise that even adults learn. And also, really big thing, we make mistakes. Yes. We make mistakes. And that culture of it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. And you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. You know, we still see children coming through that um, are not used to making a, a mistake and they don't have that emotional resilience. Yeah. That, and, that, and that's something that, that is really important, I think, the development of that emotional resilience for those children. Yeah. So, you know, on occasion we have problems, we can have problems where there's not there's not one solution, but there's more than one solution. And they you, they find one solution, yeah. say, okay, can you find another? And they're like, sorry, what? But I've answered, <laughs> I've answered yes. that. I've answered yes. that question. They're like, yeah, but there's lots of different ways. How many ways can you find it? And developing that emotional resilience that yeah. way. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think it is. I agree completely. And I think that's true all the way through education. I'm quite happy to sit in my A-level French classes and a child asks me for a word and I go, I don't know, let's check the dictionary. Or I will sit in my, my A-level Chinese lessons with Chinese people and, you know, an idiom will come up and I'm just like, oh, I, I've not seen that one before. Can you explain to me what it means? And it doesn't undermine my subject knowledge. It doesn't undermine my fluency in these languages. We can't know everything. No, we can't, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I think particularly in the modern 
age where people get clout for looking like they know everything, particularly on social media. You know, you've got lots of social media experts and that's something that all of our kids are exposed to. Um, I think a lot of them do lose the, they, they, they lose the idea that it's okay to be vulnerable and go, I don't know. I agree, I agree. And I think that we, we do them a disservice if we, if we don't ever show them that. If yeah. we don't ever show them that, I, I think that, that we're not being fair for them in yes. terms of their learning and how they can move forward. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important that they know and understand that it's okay not to know everything. Yeah. You know, and actually nobody can know everything. No. So that's really important. Yeah. That's yeah. really important. And I, I also think that for the kids who are going through our classes, thinking about being teachers, it's important for them to do that. Because we were catching up earlier and we were reminiscing about, about my time as a student. And I think one of the things that I did um, as a student was construct this identity. If you haven't heard that, uh, that episode, please go back and listen to last week's. You can download it. Um, but I constructed this identity, this identity of the teacher is the expert and so must know. And so that was the front that I put on for the children. I'm the expert in this subject, and so I know. But that limits you as a teacher because it stops you from having conversations with those children because you are too busy regurgitating information at them and not actually listening to, to, to what they're saying and what they're trying to get across. I agree. I agree. And it's and you, some of the things that they know will astound you. Yes. Will astound you. And they will... And they will take on a different tangent. Absolutely. Were, my class were always good at that. <laughs> tangent, and then we had a conversation about something completely yes. different. They were always good at that. But there's value in that. Yeah. There's, there's massive value there, in that. There so is. There's massive value there in so that. There so is. And, you know, when we've got children that have got specific needs that are really knowledgeable about the things that they know yes. about, it's really important they've got a voice yeah. too. So you might be talking about... Um, triangles and the properties of triangles and uh but they might want to talk about a, a completely different shape yeah a dodecahedron <laughs> or something really obscure that you know the rest of the class are not going to know about. yes but it's really important for them to share that information and to get that out because it's something they know about yeah i, I had a, a little boy um and his he knows lots about cars. Okay. Because his dad's a mechanic. Ah. And so he does lots of witness and lots of cars. So, you know, every time that he would, and he's got very specific needs, but every time he would ask for, if you want a colouring picture, uh, it's a Lamborghini. <laughs> so you can't imagine the amount of Lamborghinis we had to find that were slightly different shapes or different viewpoints oh, or different. So yes. you can have a you know, it's, it's, it's his downtime, yeah. it's, it's time out colouring and that kind of stuff. They could tell you the ins and outs of what a Lamborghini did, the engine size it could have, you know, different colours they made it all in. It was really important for him to be able to share that information. Absolutely. And every other child in the class knew Lamborghinis were his favourite car, <laughs> as, as it is, isn't it? Is. Absolutely. So, oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That was one thing that used to, to frustrate me about how constrained the curriculum can be. Um, because we... we it, in our shared class when I was a student, we had a young man whose special interest was dinosaurs. And all of his reading books were about dinosaurs. I remember it all, I found extension work to give him that was about dinosaurs. And I always thought it was such a shame that we couldn't make the curriculum about dinosaurs for him. 
And obviously you can't do that because, you know, particularly these days with specific needs being more readily identified, uh, more easily diagnosed, you could easily have 10, 15 children in a class who have all got a special interest and it's unmanageable. But I do sometimes think that it's a shame that we are constrained by what we have to teach so that we can't lean more into those interests. I think that's one of the things with the UIFS curriculum, yeah. because although they have their curriculum to fulfil, they can meet needs yes. and, and determine, you know, according to interests yeah. led by the class, you know, ch children's led learning, which I think is really important. And I think there's value in having that opportunity for the children to share their interests and to talk and learn within their classroom situation. We are so constrained by the national curriculum. Yeah. It's quite stifling. Yeah. It's quite stifling. Yeah. You know, um, we have been given slightly more freedom at school to diversify how we teach and what we teach. Yeah. Which has been quite liberating. So we've got the NC statements. Somebody's got the NC statements. <laughs> yeah. You must teach this. You must teach this. You must teach chronology. You must teach yeah. all that kind of stuff in history and what have you. Um, and we've been given, you know, in history, you've got to teach two ancient civilizations. <laughs> you've got to teach this. So we've we've planned our curriculum at school. Um, so we did it together, and we've got knowledge organisers and stuff. But. For example, one of my geography topics is um, learning about England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, it's mm -hmm. the United Kingdom and stuff. Um, and one of the things that I do in my class, we do cooking. Brilliant. Cooking from around the country. Oh, that's so cool. So we look at different foods from around the country and we taste all these different foods. Their faces, when they tasted that pudding, we're <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, absolutely. You? And then um, we make eat a mess goes down nice. here. Nice, I bet it here. does, yeah. That's a complete, yeah, that's brilliant, it's amazing. And then we make this 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 piece of food so they just have <laughs> called a clanger. Oh, okay. Now clanger is is um used to be is from, from the north and it was um for the miners and the and the agricultural right. workers as okay. well. So it's like a sausage roll. Right. But it's not. So <laughs> it's it's a sausage roll at one end. Yeah. So it's meat based at one end. Yeah. And then it's like apple pie at the other. <laughs> oh, so it's like your oh, your wow. savory and then your dessert all, all in one thing nice. in a suet pastry. <laughs> so the kids love making those. A lot of mess. My TA was yeah. amazing because I don't do mess very well. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never have. Definitely don't do glitter. Find that really tricky. <laughs> you can stop laughing now, Mister. I will. About my I will. Yes. Um, not. <laughs> so yeah, and but it's it's those kinds of things. Been able to introduce those things in really innovative ways that the yeah. kids will remember forever yeah um i remember when i was teaching year one our current year six is you know they've just left they've gone to year seven um when i was doing phonics with them i had these these puppets i had called stum and stum did the phonics with them the sounds okay. and stam was his dad and because he had a tie <laughs> of course that, yes that made him older yes. clearly and he did the spellings and one of um, my little boys in year six who had very specific needs, I remember him in year one running around my classroom and I said, um, please could you sit on the carpet? He said, no, thank you. That was, my first, that was my first introduction to, instead of saying, please could you, yes. it was sit down on the carpet. Yes. And that was really alien for me. That was really difficult. Yeah. But that was my first introduction to that. He came to me and he said, uh, Mr. Doherty, he said, 
you know that puppet strum? I said, yeah. He said, do we still have it in school? I said, yeah. He said, because I'm going around school and I'm saying goodbye to everything. I'd like to say goodbye to it. Oh. I said, that's fine. I said, that's, he said, can we do it tomorrow? I said, absolutely. So I went to year one and I asked where it had gone. Um, and we found it. And I'm, so he came with me the next day to go through it. And I just said to him, I said, you know, we don't use strum in school anymore. You can take him home if you want. And he was like, ah, can I? And I said, he said, my mum might not like it. I said, well, we can check with your mum. And of course, she was absolutely yeah. fine. And so he took Strum home with him. And it was like the best thing ever. During some holidays, I met another parent of one of the year six children. And uh, she came up to me and, and hugged me. And she said, oh, she said, I cried. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. What, 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 what did you cry for? Is the end of her family going to our school? Okay. So I cried. She said, "No, I cried when I found out that you'd given um that young man Sturm." She said, "I cried." She said, "Because that was proper lush and he proper loved her." <laughs> so it's really nice. Fantastic. And those it kinds is. of and that yes. be a memory that he'll carry forever. Isn't yeah. it? It's a memory that carries forever. Absolutely. And uh, so some of the memories that they've carried forever from my class are um that I do ballet. Yeah. On Fridays. Okay. Only Fridays. Only Fridays. And when they're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I do chair swimming. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Wow. To do chair swimming, you need a wheelie chair. Okay. And you, you, you have a wheelie chair. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be able to do a breaststroke action with your arms, okay. obviously, and then you move yourself across the floor with your feet and your wheelie chair. <laughs> ah, I love it. So, yeah, those are things that have been mentioned. So, yeah, the, the classes that I taught clearly, clearly have loads of academic knowledge because <laughs> they remember strum the puppet, yep. chair swimming and ballet. <laughs> But isn't that the most important thing? You know, I don't remember, I, I remember my infant school teachers as an example, but I don't remember which one taught me the alphabet. I don't remember which one taught me my number bonds, but I do remember the story that I told on the show a couple of weeks ago, sitting in the hall watching the snowman. And I, I do remember the excitement of going into the library to watch the TV. Yeah, and it and it's the it's the acts of kindness, yeah. isn't it? It's the relationship stuff. Yes. Rather than the teaching academic stuff, Absolutely. it's the relationship stuff that people remember. Yeah. yeah. That people remember. I remember. I'm I'm not sure if it's when you were a student with us or not, but I remember the children were coming in at eight o'clock in the morning because we were going to watch the World Cup football on the television. Yes. <laughs> so how, I had them. I had opened up my classroom and all the kids could come in at eight o'clock and we bought some croissants and some juice and stuff. Yeah. And we put the football on the television so that they didn't miss it. Because I think things like that are also really important for the, for the children to see and also to know that we're all normal. Yeah. No, teachers are normal. Teachers like to do these things too. Exactly. As Absolutely as well. So, yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. We are normal. We do have fun. Yeah. You know, and and the troubles that that happen in their lives happen in our yes. lives too. We're yeah. all experiencing the same stuff. Yeah. Whoever you know, we've all experienced the same sort of the, the difficulties. Not always exactly the same. No. But you just need that empathy. Yeah. And that uh, and that you know, listen. Yeah. Listen. Be happy. <laughs> laugh a lot. Laugh a lot. That's what I say to my class. That was another. That was another phrase that I would use today. We work hard. But we play hard. Love it. We work hard, but we play hard. Um, yeah, yeah. I love my job. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. By the end of the year, I'm flagging, yes. and I think, can I do this? Yes. And then, to, and I think, oh, perhaps it's time for me to give up. Perhaps it's time for me to give up. And then, by the time some holidays are over, I'm like, come on, <laughs> bring it on. Next year, here we go. 
and then by the end of the year again, I'm like, mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. One of one of my mentors when I was a student teacher, um, this is going back cool twenty two years, twenty two years, twenty three years, and um, she was teaching year six, and she was at or just past retirement age. Okay. And the energy that that yeah. woman had for her job and just in her teaching and in her life um, was was unbelievable. And I was sort of thinking, well, I think that when I'm 65 or whatever, 60, yeah. there's no way I'm going no. to be like that. No. But, you know, perhaps I will be not so much, but actually still quite a few <laughs> years to come before I get there. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, we, have the, we have the best job in the world. Yeah. We also have one of the trickiest jobs in the world. Absolutely. To do and yeah. maintain and keep going. Yeah. I think there is no better message to end our show on today. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, before I do end the interview, though, um, you and a few of your colleagues did a charity run at the start of the summer. It was cancelled because of the hot weather. Oh, so no. Okay. it's actually going to be ah. on September the 24th. Right. Fantastic. So we're doing it on September the 24th because it was going to be on July the 17th. Yeah. Um, which actually was the anniversary yes. of, of Kelsey passing. So we we first did it as a group of people the year that Kelsey died. And we've done several things for Longfield, yeah. hospice in between. Um, so it seemed opportune, it seemed you know, absolutely the right day to do it on July the 17th this year. And then it was when that intense heat yes, came. Yes, yes. When we were still at school, it was really hot. So, and there wasn't a lot of shade where we were supposed to be doing it. So, we kept, okay. so it's now on September the 24th and we will all be doing that. In fact, some people that couldn't do it then are going to have signed oh, up amazing. to do it now. So it'll be really, really good. Amazing. Really, really, really good. Thank you. Yeah. I will, listeners, please look out for the tweets because I will tweet a link where you can sponsor or where you can get in touch. But if if anybody doesn't feel comfortable for that, do you have any suggestions of, of um, uh, CF charities that they might wish to donate to? Um, well, there is the Cystic Fibrosis Trust, which is just a CF trust that they can go online and look at and just donate with those. There's also um, a charity at Bristol Hospital, which helps locally if mm -hmm. they want to do it locally. Um, I'm not sure what that would be called. I'd have to find that out. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, we can... Or, 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 you know, there are many, many charities for you to support. And I'm very aware of that. Yeah. And in my own life, I support the charities that are important to me. Yeah. So I also respect people, you know, that they might want... In, in For example, with um, a school... We've had families that have suffered from MND, from motor neurosis. Okay. We've got families that suffer from asthma. We've got families that have suffered from cancer. We've got, so there's always that breadth. Yeah. yeah. So so no pressure. And in the, the current climate, no, uh, it's, of course, it's, 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 it's really difficult, yeah. isn't it? So you know, in terms of the run that we're doing, um, we'll have raised two hundred pounds towards Longfield House. Amazing. Hospice, so that's brilliant. And they're just grateful for anything. Yeah. So also the other way to support local charities is when you're having a clear out. Take stuff to the charity shops yeah. because they get money for that then that way too. So we do that all the time. Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. you. Well, thank you so much. I do very much appreciate it. I would just like to clarify um, a point that I made during the interview that I don't think uh, I expressed 
eloquently. Um, I, I, so I would like to clarify that I do not think that having 10 to 15 children with their own special interests in the classroom itself is unmanageable. Um, which is how I heard back what I'd said. Um, my intention was uh, that the point I'd made about tailoring a curriculum to all of those special interests um, would be unmanageable because special interests are so unique to each child. Um, so I did just want to clarify to clarify that. Um, I do have a caller. Boogie Nights, you have called in for us. Um, hopefully you can pick up my invite and let us know what you wanted to say. Are you there? No? That's quite all right. That is not a problem. That is not a problem. I will, we've only got a couple of minutes left of the show, but I will remind anybody who um, wants to call in or to text into the, the Saturday Morning Breakfast Show, you are free to. You are absolutely free to. I'm always, always interested to hear what people have to say. Um, I would like to thank Teresa once again for... Um, joining me for an interview this week. I think my, my intention, to be honest, of the show was to keep it focused on on Teresa's experiences as a mother with an ill child. But I think the fact that we digressed, the fact that we then just started to speak about teaching in general and Teresa's particular interests in teaching speaks to how well she managed that. Um, because for her, it was a part of her life, an important part of her life, uh, but not something that she allowed to define herself or her career. And she made it look very, very easy. And, and in the interview, um, all of the comments that Teresa made, made it look easy. And I think that's only because you know, there have been those eight years now since Kelsey's passed for, so Teresa's had the time to digest everything. And she, Kelsey had been ill, obviously her entire life. And so Teresa had had the tools to put into place all the different things that she needed to make sure that she could do her job effectively and look after her child. So if you are a parent and, and, and a teacher, and your child is very, very ill, and you feel that you're not managing, you feel that you're not coping, please don't despair over that. Please know that that is completely normal. That is completely fine. And if you're a teacher in any with any kind of, of problem going on outside of the classroom, um, we don't have to cope all of the time, and that's fine. Talk to your teacher friends, talk to your common room, talk to your staff room, uh, talk to your line manager, whoever it might be. Uh, because there is always help. And, you know, our job is all-encompassing. As we've said a couple of times in this show, our job is one that we we can hide in if we want to, if we feel we need to. And that would be really, really good. Um, and it, that can be very helpful for people, like it was for Teresa. But in the same way, you know, it's not like in an office where if you're not feeling well, you can kind of sit and take it easy and not have anything to do with anybody and, and almost hide while being at work. We can't do that. So don't be afraid of, of speaking out to people, um, people that you are comfortable with. Remember, you don't owe anybody any, any information if you don't want to, but speak to people, make people know what's going on, because I think in general, we want to help. 
Uh, Teacher Talk Radio has a packed, packed day for us today. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we have got a Twitter space running. So please do come over and join us on Twitter if you are available. Thank you ever so much once again for joining me for breakfast this morning. And I will look forward to um, eating breakfast with you again next week. Thank you very much and goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.